0: Welcome to Talking Tropes.
1: Where we're bringing balance to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Hannah. And I'm David. And uh, today we're talking about uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe villains, which does bring a smile to my face.
0: Yeah? you You love you some villains, David?
1: Yeah, I think villains are probably almost more important to a story than a hero. A hero can be kind of bland, and if their villain is interesting enough, it's just, you just want to see what happens next and how they, you know, put the hero in tough situations.
0: I, I think I would agree with you on that. I think um, a good antagonist, a good threat, something that the protagonist has to work against is always a really important part of any story.
1: Absolutely. And... You know, following that, a lot of the worst Marvel movies have been criticized mainly because their villains are super weak.
0: So lackluster.
1: Um, But there are a lot of villains, I think, in Marvel that really shine. And definitely recently we've seen a huge uptick. And there's been a lot of hype surrounding Thanos as being Marvel's greatest villain. Totally. Totally. Um, we'll leave him till the end because I I want to sort of sequester our spoilers a little bit. Okay. Um, look forward to spoilers for the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, including the TV shows today.
0: Yeah. Um. <laughs> we're we're going all out. Um. And they'll be all a... all in all all in. Uh. But we're we're really trying to bring balance to to this this crazy world of villains and heroes. Just like um, certain other people. <laughs> so, so we're gonna definitely pick. We're gonna pick like a, our top villains and our bottom
1: villains. Right. Who's your top?
0: Oh, my top.
1: Yeah. Hit me with the top. The top. Let's start from villain. the top and work our way to the bottom.
0: Oh, that's hard to think. Um, well, it's hard because a lot of them have like heel face turns. But I'm just straight up villains. But we're
1: definitely counting. We're definitely counting redeemed villains as villains. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because most of
1: even like the heel turn villains in the Marvel universe usually kill at least like a bunch of people.
0: It might be from the Jessica Jones TV show. I think it's because I I find the TV show villains in general a little bit more compelling than the movie villain, just because we get more time with them, so they're a little more developed. Um, but right. I I think Kilgrave is probably my favorite villain.
1: Okay, interesting choice. Um, for me personally, I would say that it's gotta be um, Eric Killmonger from Black Panther.
0: We love those Killboys.
1: <laughs> the kill the Killboys, they should meet up. They should be friends. Yeah. The Killboy. Like the Killboy. I feel
0: like literally they would not get along. At all for one second? No,
1: no, not even a little. Uh, um, no, but I... they're very different villains, um, and, and I think one of them is a little bit more clear in motivations, and one is a little bit more clear in like psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like for both of them, they really present sort of the direct opposition to the hero's viewpoint, um, like they're pure opposition
0: killmonger is also one of my i think favorite villains as well yeah, and killgrave um, for me yeah um but i i think both of them work really well on a story and thematic level too though which is maybe why i right. like them so much because not only are they just like very well developed um and we we get a lot of um like emotion and story and plot and like character from them we we they also push the the themes of the movie i think incredibly well
1: and i think that you'll find that if a villain doesn't push any themes that are relevant to the movie um the audience will respond incredibly negatively
0: right Um, it's sort of like it'll just be like a shrug why were they there you know
1: yeah i think that audiences really respond to Ideology more than they like consciously can recognize. Like they won't be able to tell you exactly why Loki is bad or, um, you know why Ultron is bad. But they, but they're picking up on whatever the ideological differences between the hero and the villain.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and I mean I think in a lot of Marvel movies they are battles of ideology and like i think the more boring ones in general tend to be the ones where it's like the villain just kind of wants to blow up the world for boring reasons right
1: i think early on in the marvel cinematic universe what you really have is it's it's a dynamic formed by our national crises which is it's america versus terrorists right and those terrorists take a lot of different forms in the different movies but they're all like Basically terrorists. Sure. Um, You have terrorists in Iron Man 1, but then you also have terrorists in Thor in the form of the ice giants. Uh, They're very heavily coded as like a sort of pseudo-religious group that's waging minor attacks. There's an extremist sect of these ice giants that are attacking... Um, and then you know the the real villain, obviously Loki, is the one saying we should go and exterminate all of them, right bad, but they're still very heavily coded as terrorists, and even in you know once you get to phase two with
0: well- well, what about captain America
1: um well, captain America sort of they're either terrorists or they're Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But that's but, but I mean like that's really the dynamic that you get in the beginning, sure. is you have terrorists for the standalones and, and then Nazis for the Biggins and the and for Captain America.
0: Yeah. Okay. So then in phase two.
1: Right. In phase two, you still have some like echoes of that with Ronin from Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. who is heavily coded as a religious extremist. Um, heavily coded Muslim, and, like, very clearly the issue is that he's, like, an extremist and the, the bureaucrats in in the Nova Corps are like, w- we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna do what, what needs to be done with him because he's just a vocal minority. Mm. So it's all the cucked, you know, <laughs> bureaucrats who don't believe that Islam is... Bad. Uh,
0: so blind. Eye it's roll. a
1: really, it's a really problematic thing with like the early MCU. I think. Yeah. Um, but I guess like it kind of reflects our, our our perception at the time, which was that we're under attack. We need heroes. Totally. A lot of people have compared like the recent, um, you know, obsession with superhero movies to the old obsession with westerns um, and that these types of genres become ingrained in our culture when we're in times of political and economic stress. Okay. Which we definitely were when when these movies came out first.
0: I mean, I think Um, we still are. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> right, but our, our our um anxieties have changed significantly, and I think that's definitely reflected in Winter Soldier. You wanna talk about that?
0: Yeah. Um so Winter Soldier we get uh Bucky Barnes is evil. He's been right. the Russians, they got him.
1: But is he evil on the inside though? But
0: is he though? Doesn't he just love And her? what
1: about us? <laughs> Are, are we, we evil on the inside?
0: Are we being, even though
1: we seem good on the outside? We can
0: beat the Russian invasion into our minds. Hashtag Facebook.
1: Hashtag Facebook. <laughs> um, but Winter Soldier has a ton of villains for some reason. I don't yeah. know what went on with the writing of that, but I think just sort of in, in an attempt to make it seem like well, um, Hydra was this big organization. You've got Alexander Pierce who's like running the SHIELDS Hydra show. You've got um, the computer version of Arnim Zola, um, the, the the Nazi chemist who made the Red Skull. Yeah. Then you've got Brock Rumlow, um, who's just like this ex-agent who worked with Cap. And then you've got the Winter Soldier on top of all that. So there's like a ton of villains in this thing.
0: Yeah. I mean... So, I will say, like, S.H.I.E.L.D., like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, its purpose was to sort of build up HYDRA, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Because,
0: like, that's what they were doing on that show, is just fighting HYDRA. Um, and, like, when Winter Soldier happens, like, I will say it was pretty cool <laughs> that, like, it... Its echoes were felt in the show. Um, as how, how much do you think
1: it really tied into the show? Like how much of it was
0: like a lot?
1: Like okay,
0: like I, like there were like cataclysmic events happening because Captain America: Winter Soldier has like some cataclysmic shit going down
1: because mm-hmm.
0: um, it has to set up, uh, what you might call it, civil war, um, mm-hmm. and like. <laughs> That, those same, um, like, the, I forget what they're called, but the giant, like, air bases or whatever that are, like, going out to kill everyone, uh, get hacked by the Russians, a.k.a. Hydra, yeah, a.k.a. Nazis, scary
1: ships
0: a.k.a. Things. scary foreign people. Um,
1: yeah.
0: They, like, that is, like, those are events that happen in the show. And, like, because S.H.I.E.L.D. crumbles in Winter Soldier, and it mm-hmm. also does on the show. I don't know. And I then it's it reduced cool.
1: to just, like, just that team?
0: Yeah, sort of. It, it's, like, a big um shakedown. A bunch of people die. There's, like, a ton of repercussions. And it also, it does tie really nicely into the um Inhuman aspect. Uh
1: did you watch Inhumans?
0: So, no, but Inhumans <laughs> is apparently... Did anyone watch Inhumans apparently, is a big question. Is, it, is Inhumans part of the Marvel the MCU? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's, like, different than S.H.I.E.L.D., and it takes place with, like, different people? I don't know. But it's, like... it is. I, I got a little confused, because I stopped watching S.H.I.E.L.D. at a certain point, because it did get I mean, kind of boring.
1: Inhumans has got, like, moon mutants. Yeah. And it's owned by Marvel and it um there they live on the moon with a space dog and I didn't watch the show. And I think it's canceled already. So yeah, I think think it
0: got canceled like yesterday or something. Okay.
1: (laughs) Um what about the other like Netflix shows and and, like Agent Carter and all of that? Like do they all really tie together in terms of villainy?
0: Yeah. Well, so Agent Carter is like an I think an interesting one because it really is just sort of like it's a small sort of 1940s detective show. At its, but the
1: villain is still Hydra, right?
0: Uh, I believe so. But so like, like does anything
1: Carter do, do, does anything Carter does, does anything Carter does. Well,
0: here's the thing. We just know it's delaying the inevitable because it, like it's taking place in the past, you know. Like we right. know how things go, we know what the future looks like, um, and so I I think it does some nice general world building, but I don't think it's like like we know ultimately. It's got prequel returns. issues. Yeah,
1: I call those prequel issues. Yeah, where you can't really do anything surprising because otherwise it would contradict the the canon.
0: It's more, um, we get to see, like, Jarvis as a human, and, like, you Mm -hmm. get Tony's dad, whose name I forget in this moment. Um, Is he
1: played by Paul Bettany, the Jarvis? Yeah. That's crazy. I'm pretty sure. That's amazing. Yeah. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is very ambitious.
0: Yeah. Like, at this point, so many movies in and so many properties... And the fact that like there's any forgetting. semblance of like anything Continuity, is am- yeah. yeah it's amazing, um, like
1: very much. so. It's
0: not perfect, but it's pretty impressive.
1: Right. I uh, mean, as far as like the the Netflix shows. Even though their, like, team-up wasn't very good, I'd say, like, about half of those shows are are very good and very well-received.
0: Yeah. And, okay, so, like, let's let's go through them. So, we've got Jessica Jones with Killgrave. Um, right.
1: And that show is very much, like, the villain is the best part of this show.
0: Oh, yeah. And then
1: they kill off the villain, and then season two has, like, no villain.
0: Yeah, which is an issue.
1: Because, <laughs> yeah. like,
0: Jessica's great, but, like there's no ideological tension in season two and that's like so present in season one with Kilgrave because to me, the whole point of Jessica Jones is it's about power and power dynamics and like, especially with womanhood, but also in like sort of every, um, like any sort of power dynamic that's
1: possible. Exactly. Um,
0: and Kilgrave, his power is literally control and what it means to control another person. And like, that's really tight like thematic writing you know
1: right and season two it's like but who you know maybe jessica's the villain we don't know
0: yeah but it's like no, maybe
1: everyone's <laughs> capable of like being like bad yeah like maybe nobody's perfect is the theme Pobody's of jessica nerfics. jones season two <laughs> and then daredevil was also very much praised for its first villain yeah. Kingpin. I will C- say just this. Just because of D'Onofrio's performance. He
0: did a great job. I did not like Daredevil season one, and I know I'm in the minority, so that's fine. All um, right.
1: Did you like season two?
0: I did not watch it.
1: Okay. Because <laughs> I um, barely
0: got through season one. I'll be one. honest,
1: I did not finish season one. Um, I, I found uh, Murdoch pretty Boring. Boring as a character. I did not Um, like him.
0: I liked him in the team-up, which was surprising. I didn't watch that either. (laughs) Oh, okay.
1: Um, What was the Defenders' villainy? How did Sigourney Weaver uh, as Alexandra Reed play? Uh,
0: I think she did a great job. Um, She... I mean, Marvel loves their cold, calculating, bitchy women. (laughs) Um, But, like... Like, it was cool because we we sort of hadn't seen... So, so in the TV shows, there's this villain group called The Hand. um, And she is a part of The Hand. And uh, we sort of find out that she's kind of the one in charge of it. um, Which is crazy. And then, like, the defenders slowly end up, like... Killing off other parts of the hand, but then also she like murders some of the people to be like, listen, I don't actually care about you. I'm just kind of in it for myself. Like, I don't know. Like, sure. Like, I don't know that there was that much ideology behind her other than like selfishness.
1: um, And
0: like, I think she wanted to live forever and like get back to some magic land or whatever, which is why like that iron fist is
1: sort of guarding full metal alchemist motivation
0: yeah i just
1: want to live forever
0: live forever and be the most powerful like cool whatever um but like her performance was great because it's
1: sigourney weaver you know i think that's the thing with like the netflix shows is if you get a good performance out of it, it because you spend so much time with them you don't really care if like maybe their motivation isn't super great you just you just want a good performance yeah and they were able to get amazing actors to play most of the villains. Oh, for
0: sure. I mean, David Tennant, like, so yeah. good. Um, I it's will say wonderful. I also really enjoyed the villains in uh, Luke Cage.
1: Really, I've heard opposing opinions to that, but um, I didn't get too far in Luke Cage before giving up either. Oh, really? I feel like I give up on Netflix shows really easily because they they're they're not written like weekly TV shows. They're written kind of like long movies with really boring second acts (laughs) does that make sense so the only one that was able to keep me invested for a whole season was jessica jones season one
0: okay um
1: Um, luke cage lost me somewhere in the middle there where he was just like well i'm pretty much bulletproof they haven't introduced like anything that can kill me yet so uh, it's just kind of happening they totally do yeah, um, but that doesn't come till later, and I got bored before then
0: okay, that's that's fair. Um, I don't know. I found Luke Cage very compelling. I liked it a lot. Um, I just logged through Daredevil and Iron Fist. Um,
1: and what about the the outlier in this whole thing? Runaways? What do the villains look like in that?
0: I have not watched Runaways, but I did read the comics um and the villains in that are the parents
1: the parents um so it's a very different kind of villainy relationship than uh than in all of these other stories
0: yeah um, it's it's basically for those of you guys who don't know runaways um these like kids all hang out like once a year and they sort of like are like they're all a bunch of angsty teenagers who are like, this is so dumb. Our parents are dragging us to this stupid get together again. Um, And then this year they accidentally find out that the reason they have this meeting every year is because their parents are super villains. (laughs) Um, (laughs) who have secret meetings in their basement once a year and like sacrifice people. And they're like, what the fuck? That's crazy. And then they all discover that they sort of have superpowers too. And that like their parents are trying to destroy the world. And so they like run away and like are trying to sort of stop them. Um, But the parents don't know that that's why the kids ran away. They just think they were maybe like kidnapped or something. And so they're just trying to find them.
1: Uh, right. It's There's it's a lot of oh god. There's a lot of differing moti- yeah, miscommunication and differing motivations.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a lot. Um I will say for that one, the villains aren't really not that important in their motivation necessarily. Um because they're But just... just for their
1: relationships with the characters. Exactly. Because they have a history exactly. unlike most of the villains on this list.
0: Right. It's it's about the parent child dynamic and it's really about like that childhood rebellion when you realize your parents aren't the person the people we necessarily think they are, which like we all learn right. as we grow up that our parents are real people with different goals than we might have expected.
1: So one of the main tropes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for their villains is the shadow, which is basically defined as like a dark reflection of the main character with basically all the same abilities and just a slight tweak in motivation. Okay. Um, and that's what makes them a villain. So you've got that, especially in the first couple with Iron Man and obadiah stain who becomes iron monger yeah. who is you know big bad iron man
0: uh-huh
1: he's big and he's bad and he's greedy like tony but he's even more and it makes, greedy
0: yeah and it makes tony realize that he shouldn't be as greedy
1: and then um, then there's the the abomination uh, Emil Blonsky in the Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. which everyone, including myself, keeps forgetting is part of this <laughs> MCU <laughs> because it
0: didn't have Mark Ruffalo in it,
1: and it just doesn't feel like an MCU movie. Yeah. Like there's no joy or happiness in it. It's just yeah. dark and brooding and weird. And the villain is just this guy who's like, "I'm a soldier." I'm played by Tim Roth, <laughs> and I break my spine in the second act (laughs) and then in the third act i get injected with hulk juice and then i just like am fully conscious and everything but i just want to destroy a city right for some reason i don't know he's just really like curious about what it would be like to destroy the city as a hulk monster i guess yeah
0: i will say also the mcu has a lot of like military and bureaucratic villains as well especially Very in like so. the like. i think
1: that like, i think that definitely reflects the anxieties of our time
0: totally and and it's especially present in like the iron man and like captain america movies For sure. um which like i mean makes sense they're like that's what they do they're not in space mm. they don't have magic powers like blah 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 of course but, like, in Captain America, it's literally always, like, who's the army I have to fight or the government that is too bureaucratic?
1: I mean, you say that, but obviously, like, the the complete uh, opposite of that is the third Captain America movie, um, where there's, like, honestly only one villain or antagonist in the whole thing, um, Helmet Zemo, played by Daniel Bruhl, and he he barely makes an effect on the story for the most part. It's completely just two opposing sides. Yeah. Of, of an ideological battle where everyone's a hero and a villain. Yeah. So it's not really like Captain America needs to go and stop an opposing army or military group. It's really just two people can't agree on the proper ways to... Um, the proper ways to legislate superheroes.
0: Yeah. Well, I What do you what do you think of Zemo? What's what's your thoughts on him? I'm interested. He's one of my
1: favorite villains um and I think I think a lot of people agree with me on that because he it's it's just really easy to write a villain in the MCU, but Uh, he has a little bit of pathos because he has, you know, a tragic backstory that's laid out in uh, an interesting way through these uh, voicemails from his dead family. Right. And he has a clear motivation, which is to eliminate superpowered individuals. And he has, uh, you know, an evil plot that works. And it doesn't really make sense as an evil plot. But we kind of... (laughs) forgive and forget that right um and I think we do that sort of in any story um we would do that with the Joker in the Dark Knight like his plan is a little bit convoluted but we forgive it because it's ideologically sound and it's it makes exciting challenges for the heroes
0: definitely and and I think again like it's a it's an antagonist that pushes our heroes to have to like confront something or overcome something that's more than just a powerful guy. You know, it's right. like no, you don't have to overcome a powerful villain, you have to overcome your powerful friend.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Which is I think much more compelling.
1: Right. Something that I I've, I've sort of decided as a as a personal rule for the Marvel Universe and, and kind of for all media these days mm-hmm. is that um, audiences are too trope savvy for life and death stakes to mean anything anymore. okay. Um, they're pretty much they pretty much understand that like well, I know there's a sequel coming out. I know these characters are gonna survive somehow. So like life and death stakes just doesn't affect audience members anymore. So you need emotional stakes in your movie, or they're just not going to respond.
0: I mean, I think that's always been true.
1: Um, it definitely hasn't been reflected in the movies in the past. Okay. Um, typically, like, the stakes in a given superhero movie are, the world's going to end. We need to stop the world from ending. But I think what Marvel's realized recently is that no one believes that the world is going to end right a because they've, movie. Been,
0: cause they've announced the next 25 movies
1: exactly um and and people have become dissatisfied with those tropes of the world's going to end the universe is going to end someone's gonna die the main character is gonna die and they just don't believe it so you have to establish emotional stakes or it's not going to work and that's what these villains in the in the later stage of the Marvel universe do.
0: Yeah. Well, who's another villain that we can dig into? How about um Red Skull from Captain America?
1: Sure. Red Skull is a terrible villain. <laughs> he's just scary face. He's just Mr. Scary Face and then in the end Mr. like Mr.
0: Scary Nazi Face.
1: Like uh, he's supposed to be sort of like this brilliant tactician and, you know, genius of the Nazi order. And in the end, he just has, like, a punch fight with Captain America on a plane. And then, like, the Tesseract falls out of its, um, you know, laminated protected case. (laughs) And he's like, oh, no, it's not going to be mint condition anymore. And then he grabs it and then he gets teleported into space. (laughs) (laughs) Oops.
0: Oops. whoopsie Like, okay,
1: so it doesn't really matter that Captain America and he are, are... are ideologically opposed because that has nothing to do with his plan or how he's defeated.
0: Right. Like Captain America's ideology is more about establishing Captain America than it is about opposing Red Skull.
1: Well, the interesting thing is there's like one line thrown in during the fight scene, which I was rewatching. Okay. um, Where um, (laughs) Red Skull is like, we could be like gods. We don't have to fight for these, you know, countries my world will be a world without flags. Mm-hmm. and then cap is like, "Well, that's not my world, which Flag. is just like like that is suggesting like an ideological opposition right in that, like, you know, um Captain America believes in patriotism for all countries. right. He doesn't believe that America should take over the world or
0: that any country should
1: or that any country should but Red Skull believes in unity and a lack of divisions other than the divisions between man and God or whatever. Right. But there's nothing in the story that plays on this at all. Nope. He's just a big scary Nazi.
0: <laughs> Gotta have a big scary Nazi. I mean, what's a movie without that?
1: Yeah, I don't even think like he, he interacts with Captain America until that last scene. Like. <laughs> There's just there's just no interesting things about his character.
0: Yeah. Um, um,
1: who do you think had was like a villain with who was like a missed opportunity?
0: Ooh, a missed opportunity. That's a good question. Um, Ultron.
1: I would agree. I was gonna say Ultron. Yeah. Ultron is such a a failure of a villain. Yeah,
0: literally Be- so boring. I hate him so much.
1: Um, but he's so interesting as a concept.
0: Yeah, Joss Whedon just fucked it up so bad.
1: Well, I don't know if it was him or, you know, the studio or whoever was working on the script with Joss or whatever. Yeah. But for some reason, it was decided that his origin isn't really important. We got to jump straight to his evil plan, which is to c- crash a country onto <laughs> Earth using magic rocks. Yeah. Um, I, none of that is interesting. His concept of like evolution isn't interesting and it doesn't really like go up against the Avengers. No. But it could. Like his his basic idea is that change comes to the the populations of Earth when tragedy strikes. The Avengers prevent Tragedy from striking. Yeah. So he should just be trying to kill the Avengers. Not crash a giant rock into the earth. But he doesn't really care about the Avengers. They're just an obstacle to him throwing rocks around.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't know. Just, like... (laughs) Like, it doesn't make sense with... Like, there's, like, mind control laziness and, like... I don't know. Like, just every part of Ultron just feels contrived. Does that make sense? A little
1: bit, yeah. The basic concept like... Is they knew like, where it
0: needed to go, and they were like, well, how do we get there? And then picked, like, the dumbest way to get there.
1: Right. So, like, the, the idea of why Ultron is evil is super important to this story, but isn't explored at all. Um... Because it's basically just suggested that Ultron is created, he sees that there's a bunch of, like, stuff on Earth that's bad, because he searches the internet, and then he's bad.
0: Yeah, and, like, like they just make, like, dumb choices, and, like, like oh, well, we gotta have them do a car chase, and, cause, like, well, or a Quinjet chase, I don't know, just, like... <laughs> so that well, the, the non-super so, Avengers can do something and, like, I don't know. Right,
1: but uh, I, I guess what I'm trying to get to is is less the the problems with the plot, or, but the problems with Ultron as a villain um, and his motivation. Because it's really important that his villainy be explained since the way to defeat him is to just build another robot that's good this time yeah so like the difference between vision and ultron is hella important we'll get to hella later but <laughs> um the differences need to be clear and ideological but it's really just like ultron is like humans are gross and the vision's like and they're beautiful yeah okay Like, that's not enough for me.
0: No, I agree. It's like, like, I love the, I am very interested in this idea of, like, what is human and, like, especially as we come closer and closer to making robots more and more human-like. Like, yeah, let's talk about that. Like, I'm so into Westworld and all the questions that's asking, you know? Sure, but um, that was
1: never going to be what this movie was about. Josh pitched this movie as like a Cain and Abel story, uh, which it objectively is not. It's not. Um, it, it's more of like a story about hubris, um, with like Tony's it's- hubris being that he thinks he can protect the world when he shouldn't believe that, but then he still has to save the world from his hubris.
0: Right, and like... With more hubris. They kill some people, but they do save the world, you know? Right.
1: It's not fully fleshed out. There's one scene with Ultron, I don't want to dwell on him too much, but there's one scene with Ultron that convinced me that he could have worked, which is when he's talking to Claw, um, Andy Serkis's... Wakanda stealing villain. Yes. Um, and Claw m- mentions that something that Ultron said is something that Tony would say. Mm. And Ultron gets super defensive and angry about the idea that he's nothing like Tony. He's nothing like Stark. He shouldn't be compared to Stark. I don't want
0: to be like my dad. He sucks.
1: Right. That's interesting. I would watch a movie about like father son issues between a robot and a creator.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I just and made if fun you're of writing it, a but. story <laughs> about
1: the Avengers being a family, um, you know, like it makes sense to have like this a prodigal you know, son. Yeah, this prodigal son. Um, they 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 literally say the prodigal son returns in reference to Jarvis. I think coming back in the form of Vision.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But, like, it's not like he was forgotten. They thought he was dead already. Yeah. Like, in in Cain and Abel, I mean, the story doesn't begin with the murder. That's the climax. Right. In this story, Cain kills Abel, like, before he's even born.
0: (laughs) He ate his twin in the womb. That's pretty much
1: what it is. Yeah. And then the twin comes back and kills him.
0: Yeah. Uh, Poor... Ultron, so much potential. So, Very
1: much potential. So bad. Um, um, but there are some villains who don't have any potential.
0: Yeah, like Hela?
1: Um, I I mean, no, I think Hela had some potential too, because she's like a long-lost sister trope. That's true. Um, I, I was that. more talking about villains like, I don't know, Casilius from Doctor Strange.
0: See, I didn't even see Doctor Strange, so...
1: Or Malekith and the Dark Elves from Thor the Dark World. Oh, yeah.
0: No, that's true. Those are just bad. Like, that's an example where Marvel was just, like, a bad guy. Want Get, eat
1: Look in Earth. the comics. There's some bad guy from, like, the 80s who just, like, tried to destroy the universe. Just do that. And then make the stakes be about something completely different.
0: Yeah. Um. Just, like... God, I like can barely even remember Thor Dark World. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, it was just like the ninth doctor shows up and he's like, I'm bad. I like yeah, darkness. Like,
0: I just remember that, dark whole, elf that whole
1: powers activating the whole movie being
0: very boring and dark in general, with like three jokes in the um, middle.
1: There were some like there were some like fun bits, but it wasn't yeah, shot everything like they were was fun in this, bits. Like, like there's a literal chase scene with a spaceship with Thor and Loki yeah. bickering on it, which is very like Thor Ragnarok, but it's shot like
0: <laughs> a shaky cam. It's
1: shot like it's the end of the world. Don't
0: yeah. don't trust
1: anybody. Like the stakes in that movie are all about will Loki betray Thor yeah. if they work together? Um there's absolutely no stakes placed on like oh man could could this bad elf be right that the world just needs to be yeah. shrouded in darkness?
0: Wow, what a compelling no. argument he's got there.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Loki?
1: Uh, Loki, I think, is the real turning point in Marvel reconsidering, hey, maybe like we could write villains as well, well like, as we write heroes. That to me heroes. is the most
0: disappointing part of Ultron, is that I think... Like, Joss did a really good job with Loki in um, Avengers.
1: But Loki That's was true. good from That's the beginning, true. I would say. Loki in Thor is the best part of Thor, unless you really, really like rom coms. <laughs> okay. And even if you Loki really still like rom coms, be maybe. I mean,
0: he. no, like, I agree. Yeah, He's so I mean, much more the emotional. Through line. and and I think especially in this most recent uh, in in Infinity War, we really do see how important Loki is to especially Thor's um, like emotional joinery. Right, but we'll yeah. spoil
1: all that later. We'll spoil that at the end. Um, but like Loki, I think he's one of the most interesting Marvel comics yeah. characters too. Um, I think, like, there have been so many stories written about him. There's a story where he becomes president. There's a story, um, yeah. <laughs> like, there's tons of stories where he turns good right. and then turns evil again and then turns back a, to good. I
0: think there's a he's just storyline going on where he's, like, young again um, and, like, doesn't have any of his memories or anything like that. Um, and like everyone just sort of expects him to be evil, but it's about Thor trying to like sort of stick up for him and be like, no, you don't have to play into everyone's expectations for you. And like, like that's interesting. Right.
1: Right. And he's not just a shadow. He's a brother. Yeah. Um, competing for a father's affection. There's a psychological component rather than just pure ideology. Right.
0: And like, I, like they're, they're definitely different, but they're not like, similar you know it's not like iron man and silver iron man
1: they're they're not opposites but they are distinct you know exactly like one is you know raw power and trickery you know there's something mythic about that because it literally comes from myth and then when he's brought into avengers i feel like he is reduced somewhat but expanded, again, by the fact that he interacts with so many different characters. Um, so he's he's at first sort of reduced to just like, I'm <laughs> new Hitler. Tricky Hitler. I'm the trickiest Hitler yeah. in the land. Um, but then, you know, his interactions with um, with Black Widow and, you know, saying like, you're bad. You're a bad uh-huh. girl like me. Um, that's fun. And then he's obviously got the, the brother relationship with Thor, which is what makes Thor interesting in that movie. Um, and then he has an interesting confrontation with Iron Man in, in the third. Yeah,
0: definitely. I like, he, he pushes all of the Avengers. He's what brings them together. You know, like that's how important and essential Loki is to, like, the plot and emotional development of, like, these characters. Right, and
1: his motivation makes sense, too. He's he's totally. just, like...
0: He wants a planet to rule. Right,
1: I mean, he's jealous of his brother getting the throne when he doesn't have a throne, and he's like, no, like, dude, uh, we're Asgardians. We conquer planets all the fucking time. It's just what we do. Right,
0: like... Exactly, exactly.
1: I'll just conquer this um, one, and, like, you go conquer some other planet, Thor, I don't care.
0: And, like, like he, so he's an interesting villain, he's a fun villain, I'd say he's definitely in my top five. Yeah. Um, And then, like, as we develop him more, like, we, we do, we always go back and forth, is he good, is he bad, like, what will he choose, but it's always an interesting question, we don't know what he will choose, and, like... I think the stories do a really good job of building to whatever decision it is he does make, whether that's to be evil or to be good. Do you
1: think that we should write stories that don't have villains? Um, We should avoid the concept of villainy entirely and just stick to antagonists?
0: Um, I'll say like in general, I tend to enjoy those stories a little bit more or, or I find them a little bit more mature Okay,
1: Um, I mean, like, yeah, you definitely don't write, like, a screenplay for adults and think, like, okay, who's the villain of this story going to be? You just think about antagonizing forces.
0: Right, exactly. And, like, again, like, we want our antagonist to have a plot that makes sense that we can relate to that, like, we want to be able to sort of understand where they're coming from, even if we don't agree with them. Right. You know, Um, and like like I don't think we should ever not write a story where there's just like a bad person because like there are sometimes just like bad people, you know, like people who enjoy doing weird, bad crap or like have like a really bad reason for doing bad crap. Um, And then obviously, like the
1: reason behind making a purely villainous character is to embody a villainous ideology, which I think is pretty well embodied in Thor Ragnarok, but let's talk about it. What don't you like about Hela?
0: I don't know. She, I just don't think she got enough development for That's me.
1: That's fair. It's a pretty crowded movie.
0: Yeah. Like, like I loved Thor Ragnarok. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty mm-hmm. great. I had such a fun time with it. Um, I do think that like there, the one problem is that there were a little bit too many and Well, there was really only, like,
1: two or three. I mean, there was Hela, the Grandmaster, and then Scourge, who's, you know, he does a heel turn at the end.
0: Right. And becomes a a
1: hero-ish.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, like, three just somehow felt like a lot for how much ground it had to cover. This is the
1: thing that I will oppose. Till the day I die, is anybody who says a villain has too many or too few villains... Because it's just not... Oh, you mean a movie? Sorry. A movie has too many or too few villains. Um, I, it's, It just doesn't ring true uh, in the way that we write stories. Um, you write villains to accomplish a story task. If there's more story no, tasks, I... then you need more villains.
0: Sure. But I think, again, it comes to a question of like economy of... ...space and development.
1: But I, I disagree um, so with like, this as well. Like, in, in The Winter Soldier... Okay. ...there's four villains... ...each of which do vastly different things for the story... ...and get appropriate amount of screen time for each of them. You know, Arnim sure, Zola gets very few because his motivation is really clear. He's just a bad Nazi in a computer. And then, you know, yeah. Alexander Pierce, he's the leader of the organization... ...so he gets a lot of screen time to explain his motivations... Brock Rumlow is yeah. a good guy turned bad. Um, and then the Winter Soldier is a bad guy who eventually turns good. And so we see the the two different paths. So, like, they're given appropriate amount of screen time for what they are. Um,
0: no, I agree. But I, I think that's the problem in Thor Ragnarok is that, like, Hela's screen time feels unimportant Like, while it's, like, at least to me.
1: I think that the issue isn't with the amount of screen time or anything. I think it's literally just, when we see Hela, we don't see Thor and Loki. When we do see Hela, we just see her sort of waiting for the plot to catch up with her while she explains her motivations. Yeah, I think you're
0: right. Um,
1: So that's what rubs people the wrong way. But as a villain conceptually, I think she's very uh, interesting. Um, because she's sort of an embodiment of a dark past of a nation, which they describe, um, Asgard the way that you would describe a nation. Um, and that dark past is about imperialism specifically. Um, it's about them going out and conquering people and then them trying to sort of cover that up. Like, yeah, we didn't do that. Yeah. We never did that. And then her defeat is the defeat of recognizing that that is important, that we recognize our past, but also mm-hmm. it results in the destruction and dissolution of the nation itself and replacing it more with the idea of a class or a group of people with a shared identity. Sure. Um, so it's like a really like ideologically deep villain story. Um yeah. And then the Grandmaster isn't really like a villain ideologically. That's he's true. just a comedy villain because Jeff Goldblum yeah. is a god among men. <laughs> and should be in every Marvel movie, like Stan Lee. Like he should just appear.
0: He should just pop like, up. I
1: love him to death. Um, life, uh, finds he, a life. Have you seen um, the Grandmaster? Did like a little um, video sketch. For the DVD in the same way that, like, when Thor gets a roommate, this was the Grandmaster gets yeah. a roommate.
0: Yeah, I loved it. Uh, it was great. I just want,
1: like, a whole TV show of that. Um, and uh, then Scourge is just, like, a minion who switches sides at the end. Like, he doesn't need yeah. a lot of screen time. Uh,
0: did you watch uh, Ant-Man?
1: I did watch Ant-Man. That is the dumbest villain it might be the dumbest villain on this list. He's competing with um Abomination from Hulk for just the worst villain and worst motivation. <laughs> Literally. So this is just this is just the same villain as Iron Man except for they explain the reason that he's selling his weapons to terrorists is because he was shrinking without a helmet which messes with your brain chemistry so he goes so it- crazy.
0: What? from Shrinkhead that's, that's, wow
1: the, the moral of the story is always wear a helmet when shrinking
0: that's so weird and dumb
1: and then he's just like, you know because again, this is another story where the tension doesn't arise from an ideological difference with the villain, it's uh, separate issues like oh no, I gotta see my daughter again which is a great tension but it makes it it makes the villain fall flat as hell. So like yellow jacket as a villain has to fall flat because he doesn't care if Paul Rudd hangs out with his daughter. That's not that's none of his concern. Yeah. So his motivation just becomes money and selling shrink suits to terrorists so that they can shrink inside of spy agencies and punch really hard?
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, it's oh Ant-Man. Boy. He's an
0: ant. He's 20.
1: Guys, the best part about Ant-Man is the one advertisement where Paul Rudd just chants the word ants over and over again. What? While, while clapping.
0: I don't even look know. Look it up. All right. Everyone, that's your homework for today is to look that up. It's
1: the best trailer for any Marvel movie.
0: Um, Do we, do we talk about... I feel like we've covered all of the Thor villains. Have we talked about all the Iron Man villains? We talked about we the first one. We haven't talked about
1: the Mandarin and Killian.
0: Uh, we also didn't talk about Iron Man 2 villains either.
1: Oh, that's right. Um, I guess I just assumed we did because they're exactly the same as the first one.
0: Uh, yeah. They're-, they're
1: random terrorists and a business guy. Yep. Yeah. But this time, the business guy, he's like a comedy business guy played by Sam Rockwell. Yeah. And he does a dance, and that makes him evil. He's, he's a dancing evil guy. He's
0: not your dad's businessman. He's a fun businessman like Tony.
1: And he's a bad weapons designer, so As, we dislike him.
0: Even though that's what Tony does, too. Um, I've
1: seen some, like, uh, analyses of the Iron Man movies uh, that they sort of follow, like, an Ayn Rand objectivist kind of uh, perspective oh, where I see
0: that. Yeah. The
1: geniuses of the story, you know, Tony has, has to be the one who chooses who gets weapons and who doesn't. Right. Um, and in this case, the government shouldn't get weapons, but his BFF roadie should get weapons. Right. Um, and so the main goal is to sort of keep weapons out of the hands of this Ivan Vanko, uh, whiplash guy played by Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Which I think is a good performance.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: He, like, it's very, like, entertaining to watch him, like, I demand my bird.
0: Yeah, like, I'm, I like, that's the one I'm an thing. evil
1: Russian guy.
0: That's the one thing I remembered from Iron Man 2 was, like, his performance. Right. And, like, I think he does a great job of being intimidating mm-hmm. and, like, like, I don't know, freaking Tony out in, like, a cool way. But the villain sure. itself is underdeveloped and kind of boring.
1: Right. Well, he just doesn't represent anything for Tony. Like, Tony doesn't care that his dad stole designs for things. Yeah. Like, he has no interest in that. The whole point of the story is... I think it's really, like, interesting what they, what they tried to do and failed. <laughs> um, their goal for the story was... You know, Iron Man establishes himself in the first uh, movie as a loner. And this is the movie where he has to learn to work with people to set up the Avengers. Right. Um, so he he has to work with Rhodey, um, who is replaced by Don Cheadle. And he, he has to work with, uh, you know, Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Scarlett Johansson as well. Yeah. And the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. people. And he has to take help from people. Um, but that has nothing to do with these villains, who are just like I'm a bad businessman. I'm a bad Russian guy, with right? Whips. Like,
0: like the villains aren't trying to get Tony on his own, or are like aren't trying to like attack a group of people that make it necessary for him right. to sort of like have this team. It just he they sort represent of
1: does, nothing. Yeah, but the way that the the way that they're defeated is related to the theme, like, um, you know. Ivan Vanko is defeated by teamwork. Yes. So that's relevant. But like, is it relevant that like he's working alone? Like he doesn't have a team? No. No. He doesn't represent anything about Tony. Right. And then we go on to Iron Man 3, which is.
0: I like it. So.
1: (laughs) Sure. Why, Why do you like it? Go ahead
0: for all the reasons you don't like it. I think we just fundamentally disagree about how this movie works or doesn't work.
1: Okay, but okay, so I I see what they're doing with Mandarin and to be honest, I'm fine with Mandarin. Yeah. Um, you know, Ben Kingsley is funny. Yeah. They they gave a big middle finger to like comic book fanboys, which yeah. I'm kind of always for. Yeah. I'm kind of never against that. But um <laughs> But the the thing is if you set up a villain in the first act, continue it through the second act, and then we move into the third act and there's a big twist that we find out who the real villain is, that second villain had better be very compelling.
0: I mean, I found him compelling and I found his like whole thing to be like somewhat like a continuation of that middle finger to fanboys, I don't know.
1: All right, okay, lay it on me. So he's like a nice guy.
0: Yeah, he's a nice guy. Like that's that's who half these fucking like fanboys are. Anyway, he used
1: to be a beta cuck, but then he became a Chad. Yeah. Um, and started building fire-breathing men and women to go fire-breathe the president. Right, his so his that he plan could... is
0: stupid, but like, like I
1: feel like that's relevant. <laughs>
0: Sure, I mean, like, that's fine. I think we can all agree his plan is kind of stupid, and that, like, it's it's a weird plan. But I think his motivation is interesting, and, like, I wasn't... His motivation
1: turned- is just like, I'm jealous of Tony Stark, and that makes me a bad guy, because jealousy is bad.
0: I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I like that's fair, but I, but I think so like for me Iron 3, Iron Man 3 is about Tony and like his PTSD and like dealing with all like everything that's happened and I think having this person who is evil because of him is like kind of like like, like you know, unrelated it's unrelated
1: that... to PTSD.
0: Well, it's unrelated to PTSD, yes. But like, <laughs> but I think it's pushing Tony on. It's it's again repercussions for things that he's done. But this time specifically, like things that he's done. It's not like his dad's plans that were stolen or something. It's like because Tony doesn't give a shit about yeah. his dad, you know. But like, he gives a shit about himself. <laughs>
1: I, I just, I just don't follow the logic of of this ideological difference. Like the villain again is a bad guy who wants to sell weapons to the government and that would be fine except for the problem with it, which is that in order to do it, he's like creating a war, a fake war with a fake terrorist and blowing people up. But he wouldn't have to do any of that to accomplish his plans The military is always looking for super weapons. I mean, they built Steve Rogers, for Christ's sake. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Like, if you have a perfect super soldier serum that not only regrows limbs, but also makes you a fire-breathing monster, like, the government will buy it from you. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so, like, the theming of the movie, you're right, is about PTSD. Tony keeps building these robot suits to protect him, but he has to accept that there's no way to perfectly protect himself, and he has to learn that he is more than just a suit of armor. He's a human being who's vulnerable, who needs other people to help him, which is why Pepper sort of helps him defeat the villain at the end. Yeah. Um, and, like... But the the problem with this being that if he didn't build all those suits, he never would have defeated this villain. So it turns out that his PTSD, like, uh, compulsive behaviors were incredibly important to saving the day.
0: Sure, but I think it's it's like, where is that impulse coming from and why do you have that impulse? Not okay, like, but then it's, it's shown not it's to inherently... be a bad thing
1: because he blows up all of his robots at the end.
0: Yeah, it's supposed but to be he... like
1: oh it's good it's cathartic He blew up all his robots That saved his life and all of America
0: Yeah Alright Tony makes a dumb decision At the end but I I don't right. know
1: For thematic reasons And then he gets like a He gets his chest thing removed Yeah And it's like okay now he's the man Behind the iron But that's yeah. not reflected in the villain at all The villain is just like A nice guy <laughs>
0: I don't know I like the nice guy villain whatever
1: okay that's a that's a good point of disagreement I think it's 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 not gonna make my top 10 list of Marvel no movies, he, I don't think he sure. would make
0: oh the movie wouldn't make your top. the movies
1: 10? are the villains
0: yeah all right that's fair um so we talked about the first guardians of the galaxy do you want to mm-hmm. talk about the villain in the second one
1: Yeah, I think the villain in the second one would make my top ten, possibly even my top five. I think Ego is incredibly well done and is absolutely a representation of a psychological problem inside of Star-Lord Peter Quill. Um, Uh, Okay. And the idea of standing up to your father figure, who is also a personification of your own Ego is, like, uh, total, um, you know, psychoanalytic goldmine.
0: Yeah. Very, very Freudian.
1: Yeah. I'm so into it. And, like, even though the movie felt a little bit unbalanced on a first viewing because I wasn't sure what it was going for in the first few scenes. Yeah. um, On a rewatch, like, everything sort of plays into that idea of family and abusive family and... Um, you know, just dysfunction in families. Right. And, you know, like, sure, this is like a giant planet that wants to become every planet and destroy all life in the universe. Right. But what he really is, is like a guy who left Peter's mom during a really vulnerable time in his life. And he's been holding on to that anger ever since.
0: Right. And well, and more than that, he killed his mom. <laughs>
1: Right, but, like, that's just the superheroification of the very real, very personal, psychological uh, motivation of each character.
0: Sure. Um, Also, do, I like, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I think he's a very compelling villain. I think it's a great father-son dynamic, which we've talked about before, is really liking in villains. Like, what could have happened sort of between Ultron and Tony. Yeah. Yeah. and I think also it like pushes what the movie is actually trying to talk about. Um, and right. it's it is it's trying to talk about like Peter's toxic, ego, and Peter's toxi- ego, toxic masculinity, and like what it means to like have an ego the size of a planet, <laughs> literally, exactly.
1: exactly. Like it's not
0: subtle, you know. Um, and then you have that would Taser sort of be face. that would sort of be my one criticism of the movie is that it's just not subtle at all but it's fine
1: sure i don't think that i would ever want guardians of the galaxy to be a subtle film though that's fair Um,
0: that's fair i mean the
1: first guardians of the galaxy was anything but subtle either it was literally a story about holding hands and friendship and dance parties defeating muslim extremism (laughs)
0: You know, like, that, I don't know if there's too much
1: under the surface there.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, while we're on Guardians, though, do you want to talk about Nebula a little bit?
1: Um, yeah, Nebula sort of serves the same function as um, Ego taking a very real, very relatable um, issue with sibling rivalry, well, I was especially say in low-key. abusive relationships. Um, yeah, yeah, ego. it's similar to Loki, um, but I think it, Loki in in the same way... Oh, hold on. i got to gather my thoughts. Yeah, it's pretty similar to Loki, um, but I think that like Loki and Thor's relationship is directly competing for their father's affection, whereas um, Gamora and Nebula are fighting because they want to protect each other from their abusive father like it's not that nebula wants to be thanos's favorite it's that she is blaming gamora for the pain inflicted by thanos
0: well and the pain inflicted by gamora like right. like that's like that's to me the biggest thing that comes to light like i liked their whole dynamic in um, the first Guardians of the Galaxy, but I, I really liked the resolution that sort of happens in Volume 2. Um, yeah. Where, like, it's the the two of them are fighting, and, uh, like, they're arguing with each other about their abusive childhood with Thanos, and yeah. um, Gamora is like, why are you trying to kill me? Like, we don't have to do this. We both hate our dad. And she's like, like, Blah. and nebula's like listen you were his favorite and you were just trying to win and i was just trying to like yeah not i just die. wanted a sister yeah, yeah like i didn't care about winning i just wanted someone else to be on my team against dad and you weren't and yeah, like- there's
1: something beautifully childish and real about when they're like fighting and Sort of saying, like, I saved your life, so I win. Yeah. No, I saved your life first. Right. you tried to kill me. No, yeah. wait, hold on. <laughs> I win.
0: <laughs> well, wait,
1: who cares about winning?
0: Right. It's it's like something, it's just, like, very sibling. Like, it's real. Yes. Like, that's the sort of goofy conversations you have with your siblings. Like, there is a competitiveness there, even when you do love each other, even when you're not really competing.
1: It you know, plays into what I was saying about emotional stakes. I agree. Sure, the universe is in peril in that movie, but no one believes that the universe is going to get swallowed up. Right. No one even cares about that. Well, right. It's literally just the emotional stakes of, you know, how do we resolve these family problems?
0: Exactly. Like, I think Guardians of the Galaxy Vol. 2 is very much a family film. Um, yeah. Like, or not, like... Yes, a family. You know what I mean.
1: Yeah, you have two, <laughs> you have two villain heel turns in that movie. Yondu becomes a good guy yep. pretty early in the story. And becomes um,
0: Peter's real dad.
1: Yeah, and um, and, and then Nebula. Um, and Ego is unredeemable.
0: Exactly. Because he's,
1: a, you know, just the worst.
0: Because Freud.
1: <laughs> because Freud. And then so and so he dies and then we have two villains who become good guys and that's emotional stakes that's exactly all that is
0: yeah for sure um yeah what
1: uh, do you think about in because um, i mentioned killmonger earlier but what did you think about the way that they killed claw in uh in black panther
0: um i liked it did you not
1: um, I felt like it comes out of nowhere, but it's super important to establish who the real villain of the story is. Yeah, and Claw is just super confusing, but then it almost seems like you don't need him, but he does. He is really fun. He so is. I'm a little really conflicted fun. about him.
0: Uh, I like him because I think he builds up to. To me, it's, it's a further message of this movie that this movie is not about white people controlling narratives and black bodies. It's about, like... And like and I think that's, like, Eric's whole thing, too. Eric Kalonger.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Um, Is that, like... Like, yeah, you think you're in charge, white guy. But I'm the chaos agent who's here. And, like, I'm oh, the God. one who's I've watched, been in like, control the whole time.
1: I've watched, like, criticisms of this movie that I just don't even understand because most of them are just like, I don't understand why the technology looks different. What? And they're just like, I don't understand the motivations of these characters. And they're very clear. They're very clear. Like this is just a story about, all right, you've got Black Panther who is a world leader. He's unsure about how to lead the country and the world. Um, his dad is a complete isolationist. Yeah. His um, best friend, David Kaluuya, is a... Um, or Daniel Kaluuya? What's his name?
0: I believe it's Daniel.
1: And his best friend, Daniel Kaluuya, is a total expansionist. um, right. Who wants to take over, uh, take over neighboring countries. And then right. the villain is a complete expansionist who wants to take over the world. Right. Um... And lead, but but with sort of a Marxist bent, which makes him, I think, a little bit more um, relatable and likable for. Wait, Killmonger like, liberal has audiences. a
0: Marxist bent?
1: Yeah, he's talking about class struggle um, mm. and the idea that we need to arm the lower classes so they can have a revolution of their own. Sure. Um, which is different than what um Dana Kaluuya whose character name is Wakabi. Yeah. He's more about just sort of conquering neighboring countries, expanding their territory to help the the poor.
0: Right. Which I mean I think are similar but one's a little more violent.
1: <laughs> right, but like I think when people say things like killmonger is so relatable, it's not because I think a lot of liberal people in this country are interested in imperialism as long as it's black right but i think it's because his ideology is imperialism that isn't based on divine right to rule or something it's based on these like marxist class struggle types of um types of things sure because otherwise i'd be really concerned that people seem to find him very relatable. Like, oh, okay. So you're not really against imperialism. You're just against white imperialism. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's that's not an ideology that I support. No.
0: Yeah. Um, No, I I just don't support
1: imperialism at all. I support globalism, which is Lupita Nyong'o's, you know, ideology. Right. I'm a, I'm a total globalist cuck over here.
0: You've done it. You've outed yourself. Gotcha. This podcast has been an elaborate sting. It's,
1: For sure. Um, what else haven't we talked about? We haven't uh, talked about Spider-Man.
0: I, so I haven't seen Spider-Man. So well, that's
1: just a shame.
0: I know. I need to. Um, and I especially really want to see it after seeing Infinity War.
1: Yeah. Because Spider-Man, uh, he does good in that movie.
0: He does do good in that movie. He's, he says some good funny things and is a clever boy.
1: And if you want to see the setup for that father son relationship in Infinity War, you should definitely check out Spider Man Homecoming, yeah. which is just a glorious father son high school drama. Hell yeah! Between Tony and Peter.
0: All right, but what about the villain, David?
1: See, the villain ha- was praised at the time because I think he was like one of the best that had that there had been up to that point. Okay. Um. But, like, since then, he keeps getting topped by the villains afterwards, ah. in my opinion. Um, but the vulture, Adrian Toomes, is basically a working class, um, anti-big business guy who commits crimes because he's angry at the, the higher ups, the big wigs in their offices, who don't care about the little guy. Okay. He just wants to support his family. <laughs>
0: He's a villain who just wants to support his family.
1: Right. And he has a direct connection with Peter through um, his love interest, who... I'm sorry to spoil this for you, Hannah. That's okay. But <laughs> but Adrian Toomes is actually the father of uh, Spider-Man's love interest in dun, the movie. Dun,
0: dun! Sorry, and, and it's that's a
1: pretty like, good reveal, and it so... surprised me. Maybe because I'm a little racist, but <laughs> like... Certainly because it was well executed as a reveal and changed a lot of the dynamics in the story. Um, Because now Adrian knows Peter. He knows that he's just a normal high school kid, not some like corporate guy trying to take out his operation. Right. And, uh, you know, he's got respect. They got respect for each other to some extent. Yeah. And that's why Spider-Man, you know, doesn't doesn't let him die in the end. And he goes to prison, but he's like, you know, maybe that Spider-Man guy wasn't all wrong. Maybe he's an all-right guy.
0: Okay. Does he does he die in the end?
1: No, he he goes to jail. He's oh. the only villain I can think of
0: that who just goes die. to jail. Dang. Well, they try And to it put works Loki because he's just jail. a
1: regular street criminal. Yeah, Loki Loki ends up in jail and then he breaks out. But I think this guy's. I think this guy's staying in jail until he gets out on good behavior.
0: All right. Very interesting. Um,
1: um, and I think that the way that the reason that people responded to him was because it, it is an ideological villain, but it's an it's a political ideology that is way more grounded than I'm a Nazi. I'm an expansionist. Right. A, you know, <laughs> I'm i I'm a shadow person who's also big business. Yeah. Um, this guy is just you know an average criminal who hates the system but has to work within it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i think i think people have compared him to like a trump voter but i think he's probably closer to like a um like a bernie voter
0: because mm.
1: like who like trump...
0: reluctantly voted for trump after bernie like lost the nomination maybe
1: yeah but i don't think he would ever vote for trump cuz he just hates big business people so much he specifically calls out tony for like not caring about him and creating a bunch of destruction and taking all the money for himself. So I don't think he would ever vote for a businessman like Trump, but maybe.
0: Right. All right. I think think we've talked about everyone except for the big guy. So tune out if you haven't seen infinity war.
1: Yeah. Get out of here. Can't you see we don't want you here anymore? (laughs) We're here to talk about the best villain in all of the MCU, Squidward.
0: Yeah, I actually love Squidward. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's just so creepy, and the fact that he has sort of a nose is yeah. like is very disturbing to He's me. He's
0: honestly a little bit more Voldemorty than Squidward. Yeah,
1: he definitely reminds me of Voldemort, but he doesn't have nostrils, much like Squidward. <laughs> um, in any case. He's the only interesting one of Thanos' crew because he's sort of portrayed as like this religious figure who worships Thanos and, like, praise be to him and you will all receive his mercy.
0: Yeah. Well, I think he's also interesting because he's clearly one of the few minions, too, that Thanos actually, like, kind of cares about.
1: He's the only one that I think has a name. The other ones are just like the chick, the brute, and the elf.
0: Yeah. Well, the yeah, yeah. Um, I also I think he got some great like one-liners and like his fight with Tony and um. Uh, yeah,
1: he's just always face? throwing bricks and rocks at people. Yeah.
0: Like I thought his power was Psychokinesis. cool. Psychokinesis. Like I liked that he was generally unfazed, but like clearly like could be wounded. Like I like I liked him. I liked his pompousness. I liked his weird like torture crap with, like, Dr. Strange. What you just said reminded
1: me of something, though, which is, like, I can only think of, like, two villains on this entire list that have an interesting power.
0: Yeah, that's so true.
1: It's basically just Kilgrave has an interesting power.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Loki, I guess, has interesting powers. Yeah. But most of his powers are just, like, you know, super strength because he has to be able to match Thor. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Like Killian's just a fire-breathing guy. Yeah,
0: usually they just sort of have like
1: lasers or fire.
0: Yeah, well, like like they they have some sort of technology that like makes them powerful. It's sure. not like they or they are powerful technology, aka Ultron. You know, right? Like like there aren't a lot of super-powered individual villains, and I think there's Hela more of that. has an
1: interesting power because she can throw infinite swords and knives. Yeah,
0: that is kind of cool. But that um, wasn't her
1: power in the comics. They added that specifically because they were like, this villain doesn't have a cool power.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I think there's, I'm trying to think more of that. the shows, too. I think the shows, people tend to have a little bit more, like, superpowers, but they're, like, more low-key. Um, they're, like, they're smaller besides, like, Kilgrave. Um, right. But, you know, even Kilgrave, like, his whole thing was that I need to be more powerful so that I control more people and across distances and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I don't know. That's, like, a good point. I didn't think about that either. But it was cool. Right. I liked it. He had a fun power. He had fun yep. dialogue. He was he was fun. Um, and I think the way he was defeated was cute and fun, too.
1: Agreed. Um, sucked out the airlock. What a way to go.
0: Yeah. Just not even an airlock. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, just out of a hole. Um, but, like, Thanos has been described by many as, like, this is my favorite villain in the MCU. This is the deepest, most interesting villain in the MCU. Uh huh. I don't get it.
0: <laughs> oh, really? You don't like him?
1: I love Thanos. I think he's great, but I don't think he has a relatable motivation. I don't think that his plot makes sense.
0: Okay, we were talking about this earlier, and I think it sort of does. All right, explain yourself. Well, like, the Infinity Stones, like, he would just end up with the same problem again really soon if he... So, okay, Thanos' plot is he wants to cull half of the universe's population. Um, Because
1: there's not enough resources.
0: Right. And so... So David's a normal fixed. person,
1: a normal person would be like, oh, I got it. If I don't want to kill people and I do want everyone to have resources, I should just double the resources.
0: Right. But and like, the
1: space.
0: I mean, I guess it's plausible to believe that the Infinity Stones could do that.
1: They can do anything. They could change reality. Yeah. Yeah. They can they can make a whole nother universe for half the people to live in if they wanted to.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, but I, I look at it as that like he's been fighting this fight from before he had any infinity stones. You know? Yeah.
1: I get why he was doing it before, but like once he gets the thing, couldn't he just like couldn't someone just stop him and be like, like, couldn't Iron Man just show up and be like, hey, Thanos, I'm totally in support of your plan. I totally agree with you, man one slight tweak and then just double all the food in the universe.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, but let's talk about like the pathos of him.
1: See, that's what people are are gravitating towards and I think like it it just goes to show that a a tiny bit of effort to add pathos goes a long way in a story. If they had added any pathos at all to Ultron or to Mr. Yellow Jacket, <laughs> Shrinky Head, you know? Right. Or to any of the bad villains that we like, you know, Malakith and the Dark Elves. If you add a tiny bit of pathos that isn't based on, like, my race was destroyed, right. so now like, I seek revenge. Like some sort of
0: character pathos.
1: It's gotta be pathos that the audience can relate to, and that's a father daughter dynamic. Hell yeah. Easy.
0: Yep. You did
1: it. It's simple. Nice. It's so simple.
0: And it was great, though.
1: Yeah. It Um, works. I mean, like, I'm not going to say it didn't work. I think, like, all of Infinity War works super well. um, Definitely
0: the best parts of it, though, were for sure the parts where we're getting, like, the backstory of Gamora and Thanos. And we're getting, like, the moment where he realizes that, like, spoilers, obviously, for everyone. um, (laughs) Like, he has to kill her in order to get the soul stone. And, like, that she doesn't realize it. Like, that, oh, that moment got me. That was good.
1: Yeah, I I think that was a really strong moment. But my favorite parts were all the emotional stakes for the other characters. Okay. Um, You know, uh, absolutely Tony losing Peter and, like, fearing losing Peter at every point. Um, Obviously, uh, you know, uh, Star-Lord being, like, Oh my God, Gamora's dead. That was like a huge moment for me. Yeah. Um, the moment that killed me was Rocket talking to Thor at about the the second act yeah. or so. Um, where the, Where he just talks about everything that he's lost. And I really got a sense of like, this is what the Russo brothers are talking about with this movie. You know, Ultron was like, I'm going to make a Cain and Abel story. And then he just made like a generic superhero movie. This is, I want to make a story about the trope of loss yeah. and losing someone. And I just want to make a whole movie exploring every facet of that. Well, and and that I think, was this movie.
0: I think it's great. I think you're totally right. And I think, um, that's why I think I like, yeah, sure. I guess like his kill half the universe thing is like kind of weird, but whatever. Um, like,
1: he's not making a universe with infinite resources. He's making a universe where everyone in the universe has to experience the same loss that he felt.
0: Exactly. And it's, it's, so half the universe is lost. It's, he has to lose something to gain things. In fact, he has to lose everything as he literally says in the movie. Right. Um, But do
1: you think... Do you think that the movie would have been better if he was honest with his motivations, that what he really wants is just to make everyone else feel the same pain that he did?
0: Uh, I mean, maybe, but but I think...
1: Because I don't think it would, because people are too aware of tropes like that, and they they were looking for something more. They were looking for something practical.
0: That's And so they made
1: up something that sounds practical if you don't think about it. And no one is thinking about how his plan makes no sense.
0: (laughs) I don't think no one's thinking about it.
1: Well, I'm thinking about it for sure. Uh. I've seen a few YouTubers talking about it. Um, But like for the most part, especially with male viewers, I've noticed, um, a lot of male reviewers have been like, Yeah, he's so relatable. (laughs) I would totally commit genocide for an extra snack.
0: I mean, it's a very... um, Shoot, like, it's it's the capitalist, like, idea of resources are limited. And so they have to go to the best people. And that means some people have to die, you know.
1: Right, but he doesn't believe in the best people. He believes in random people. Right, perfectly so like, random he says.
0: Right, which is I think like how people get around saying like, oh, it's not a classist thing, it's not a race thing, it's not like he wants to destroy humans so that like... He just wants other... to commit
1: a little bit of genocide, just that's like, all. But
0: everyone gets, it's fair genocide, it's South Park genocide, you know, it's like, it's okay if we <laughs> it's make... South Park genocide. It's it's fine if we make fun of this thing, because we make fun of everyone. It's okay if I genocide <laughs> these people, because we genocided everyone. <laughs>
1: the perfect explanation of Thanos and why certain people like him yep like that's it oh god we've cracked it
0: <laughs> we've done this is impossible. our most
1: insightful episode Hannah I hope you know <laughs> he's committing South Park genocide. genocide
0: I hope that term catches on I hope oh, everyone god. uses that from now on to describe Thanos yeah
1: um, <laughs> yeah so, I think he's a great villain. I don't think he tops uh, Killmonger. I don't think he tops Killgrave. I don't even think he really tops, you know, Adrian Toomes the Vulture. Um, but I think, I think he works he because squeaks he in fits. in at number five there. Yeah, he fits with the ideology of the movie. Totally. Which is all about loss. And that's what people are attracted to.
0: I agree. And, like, you know, the Avengers lose. Like, like.
1: Yeah, people do like it when the villains win, I think, because we're all very pessimistic right now. (laughs) They liked it when uh, uh, Zemo or whatever his name is won. Um,
0: Well, I think also it's because we're, like, what, 15 movies in at this point? Like, 25? Like, I don't know, you've lost count. (laughs) There's a lot. Plus, like, how many, like, TV shows and, like, other paraphernalia, like the good guys tend to win so it yeah. feels refreshing to have that upended and it makes us it reminds us that the stakes are real you know it's like Absolutely. it's the same reason that everyone was obsessed with game of thrones when that first happened like with season 1 of that and like yeah, Ned yeah. Stark dies because it's like whoa, remember? Like this is crazy. Everything's
1: about subversion now.
0: Yeah, well, because I think this goes back to what you were saying is that we're all very trope savvy viewers at this point, right? And, like, that's you need, we need emotional
1: stakes. We, we need, need emotional stakes, and
0: we we need surprises that make a. We need we need plots that are maybe the same that that feel new and fresh in some way.
1: For sure. Um, If there were any um, villains that, you know, minor villains that we missed, or villains from the TV shows that you think we should revisit, um, definitely let us know. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Tropes. Yeah, you Um, can also
0: go to our Patreon, which is also Talking Tropes, uh, if you would like to pick our next episode topic. Um, Let's talk
1: uh, conclusions real quick. What are our conclusions about Marvel villainy? So... I'd say probably about half of them are good. We could do well to sort of cull about half of them.
0: <laughs> uh, but it's supposed to be random, David.
1: Uh, yeah, but fuck that. Let's kill all the <laughs> worst ones. Okay. Let's kill. Let's make a know, lot of
0: better
1: place. <laughs> let's kill Ronan, who like is just a random terrorist, yeah. and keep Ego, who's related to the characters in some interesting way. Yeah. Let's you know, let's kill Killian. Who's, you know, just a fucking nice guy piece of shit. And, okay. And keep, I don't know, none of the Iron Man villains. No,
0: the Iron Man villains are not great. Oh, we'll just I replace
1: keep- him with, uh, you know, m- maybe uh, an obscure Captain America villain. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, that's like... An- I know we're, like, wrapping up, but, like, it's interesting to me that so many of the Captain America villains are just, like, bureaucrats who you kind of immediately forget. Right. But, like, I think that's just, like, none of them are, like, bad at being villains, you know? Sure. They're all fine. Yeah. They're very middle of the road.
1: Interestingly enough, like, in Captain America 3, we get the return of a character from, like, the Hulk (laughs) who, in that movie, like... Uh, Thaddeus Ross was like the big bad for most of the movie like this evil general who wants to use Hulk to make super soldiers and then he comes back and he's like I'm a random bureaucrat now
0: and I believe that superhero people should be under our control
1: yeah <laughs> I, I'm gonna we find it interesting more. I'm gonna find it interesting to see Incredibles 2 in a month um, where they basically address the exact same Problem as a uh, civil war, yeah. Um, <laughs> that'll be interesting to see.
0: Maybe we'll talk about that,
1: <laughs> right? So, basically, I think Marvel has benefited from moving away from just the pure shadow trope, moving towards more familial relationships, more ideological dif- differences, and yeah. more making the villain the center of the conflict. Rather than something extraneous like, m- I want to see my daughter again, or I want to have sex with uh, this Earth girl, with Padme. Right. Um, you know, making it about the interpersonal conflict and the ideological conflict is right, like what makes it interesting. M-
0: making the villain relevant.
1: And I, I'm, I would say it's not about number of villains. It's about usefulness of villains
0: sure and I, we'll I, talk about I that more agree. if we
1: ever compare Spider-Man movies because <laughs> okay. I have a lot to say about Spider-Man various <laughs> Spider-Man
0: arachnid men um okay well thanks for listening guys
1: yeah um and uh we're gonna kill you all cause we're bad guys